Amen. Always good to sing about Jesus, isn't it? Amen. I'm in Colossians chapter 3, and we're in a series, Christ-Centered Living. We've just got a few weeks left, and uh, this morning we're going to talk about Christ-honoring relationships. Jesus not only saves us, but He wants to, to change us, and He wants to influence our relationships, and, and we can honor Him in our relationships. I was just thinking next uh, next year is my 25th anniversary, and so I, I know I've got to do something special, and uh, so y'all pray for me. Our our 20th anniversary, I asked Jenny where she wanted to go, and she said, surprise me, take me somewhere I haven't been before, and so I took her to the kitchen, and uh, <laughs> somebody's going to, some, no, she's not in here. <laughs> She'll say, I've heard that before. But. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, if you'll stand with me, and uh, we'll talk about Christ-centered relationships. If uh, everybody signed up for the directory, yeah, if you get in that directory so I can know your name, and uh, I, I use those things. I pray for people in the directory, so if you're not in the directory, <laughs> I'll still try to pray for you, but it's easier when you're in the directory, and uh, and uh December is Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Miss Anna said we could raise our go to thirteen thousand, double it, and uh, and so uh, you know December's a lot of expenses. I I'm gonna ahead and make a deposit today. Uh, maybe you want to go ahead and give something towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and uh, we'll make that go this year. Uh, that's to support missionaries. We've got some in the church now. Uh, Kyle and Molly, make sure you're praying for them. Uh, but uh, be saving up some money for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, we want to smoke that this year. All right, so verse 18, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And Father, we, we acknowledge today that you're a good master, and uh, we acknowledge today that you have given us some instructions on how to live with one another, be it in marriage or at work, uh, with our family, and uh, we pray that we'd be uh, hearers and doers of the Word. And uh, Lord, we are, you call us out of darkness, and you call us to even be a pe peculiar people. And, and sometimes in our culture, to, to live according to your Word makes us feel a little peculiar, uh, but we know your Word is true and for our good, and so help us today to, to understand and live out your Word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated, and just before we jump in here, I, I want to point out uh, that six times in this passage, uh, Jesus is referred to as Lord, and uh, you'll see it starting in verse 18, uh, in the Lord, uh, verse 20, pleases the Lord, six times, and, and Paul is going to show us how Jesus' Lordship is often lived out in our daily relationships. And I, I believe maybe one of the truest tests of the genuineness of our relationship with Christ is manifested in how we relate to others. 
And so if we look back to, to last week, uh, again, verse 13, bearing with one another, uh, forgiving one another as we've been forgiving. And so how we live out uh, our relationships with others often is indication that we have a relationship with Christ and we're able to bear with others and forgive others. And, and uh, maybe some of you were able to forgive someone this week. Uh, and, and maybe the first test we face in regards to, uh, it, to this is in our family relationships. And, uh, and so as we dive into this, let's go back to chapter 3, verse 11. Uh, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all. And so Paul taught that there is this equality in Christ. We're equal in, in Christ regardless of status or sex or nationality, any of those things. And so while there is equality in status, God is a God of order, and He has established certain roles and responsibilities within our relationships. Today, it seems like most people want to look to, to the Bible and point out all the negative things that they perceive the Scriptures teach in regards to our relationships, like wives submitting to your husbands. I, when I was at uh, a, a printing factory, R. Donnelly in Danville, before I went into ministry, uh, I started seminary and I started preaching and, and a guy came up to me and he asked me, he said, what, what, what kind of church do you preach at? And I said, well, it's a Southern Baptist. And he, the first thing he said to me, he said, you're all the ones that tell the wives they got to submit to their husbands. And I said, well, that's in the Bible, but <laughs> somebody said amen back there. That was good. I didn't set that up, but uh, there's a lot of other things that I'd rather be known for, but that's one of the things that's in the Scriptures, and so uh, some people perceive that as negative, and uh, what I want us to realize is that in the first century, women, children, slaves, they were all looked down upon, and Christianity actually elevated women and, and gave value to children and slaves, and so we've got to understand that, and, and then we understand kind of the dire conditions of families today. The first institution that God instituted was marriage and family. And, and people often say, as, as the family goes, so goes society and nations. Confucius said the strength of a nation is derived from the integrity of its homes. And so we, we can watch the news and we realize that families are under attack. But the good news for us as believers is that God has given us His instructions. And it's for our good. It's for the good of our families. And ultimately, it's for His glory. And, uh, and so my prayer is that uh, we'll be able to say Jesus is Lord, and as Lord, we want Him to be Lord of our relationships, uh, Lord of our marriages, uh, and, and even Lord of, in regards to how I relate to my children, uh, my parents, uh, my employers. And so uh, Paul's going to address three specific uh, relationships. And so the first one here is, is some God-honoring parameters for our marriages. God-honoring parameters for our marriages. Wives, verse 18, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, listen, I come to this and I realize that that's controversial and it's even countercultural today. And so I just really want to teach what the Bible is saying and what it's, what it's teaching and what it's not teaching. It doesn't say women are to submit to men. It doesn't say that women are to submit to other husbands. Uh, specifically, it says wives submit to your husband. When I was doing my doctoral project uh, years ago, I, I did this intense study of Ephesians 5, and uh, I found something really interesting. In Ephesians 5, verse 22, says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, which is similar to verse 18. Uh, but in the Greek language, there's not a, 
there's not a verb submit there in verse 22. It borrows that verb from verse 21. And verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's really interesting that, that Paul is saying that first, as married couples, first we submit to the Lord, and then we submit to each other. And then after he says that, after he says submit to one another, then he says wives submit to your, to your own husbands. And so th- there are times when husbands and wives are really to submit to each other. Uh, the Greek word that's translated submit means to arrange oneself under a delegated authority. It is a military word where soldiers are to be in order under their officer. And so, listen, church, in the wisdom and providence of God, God declares that in the home, the wife is to submit to the delegated authority of her husband. Now, sadly, uh, the most recent Gallup poll, which is a a few years old, showed that 69% of the public disagreed with the statement that wives should graciously submit to the servant leadership of their husbands. I don't think God did a poll when he gave us his word, uh, but that's what the poll says. And, uh, and so I want to say to us as believers, just because a teaching in the word is unpopular or counterculture doesn't mean that we can disregard it. Amen? And so at the end of the verse 18, as is fitting in the Lord. And so I just want to highlight that, that God's sense of order in the marital relationship. Uh, submission carries the idea of entrusting oneself to the leadership of another to accomplish a task. And so I like to watch sports. Many of you do. And, and uh, there are certain teams. We, we could talk about college football, and we'd probably talk about Alabama. They, uh, they, they submit to the coaching of Coach Saban, and uh, they have to get, a, get over the individual part of that and come together as a team and listen to his coaching and by doing that they win most of the time they they submit to their coach and yesterday they were without their quarterback and they they still won they still experienced the victory and, and I believe that in marriage when a wife willingly submits herself first to the Lord and then to her husband uh, she will find fulfillment and there'll be more intimacy and growth and partnership and Christ will be honored and that's really what's most important, is that Christ is honored in our relationships. And now, we've got to get to verse 19. God doesn't give men a blank check, does he? No. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I want to emphasize this. Throughout the Bible, uh, God says more about the quality of the husband's loving leadership than he does about the wife's submission to the husband. And so I think I could argue biblically that the responsibility for a good marriage is put more on the husband and his demonstrated love for his wife than the wife's refusal to submit to him. Now, nearly 20 years in ministry, I, I've only, I wanted to say I've never, but I've only met one wife who would not willingly follow the leadership of a husband who loved her unconditionally. I have met one, and he loved her unconditionally, and, and she had other... Uh, Attractions. Uh, but this word, aguape, here in, in verse uh, 19, is a type of love that's based on sacrifice and commitment. It, it has any, nothing to do with emotions or romance. Or what we most often hear is, uh, I just don't love her anymore, or I just don't love him anymore. Listen, I just want to shoot straight. It doesn't matter whether you feel love or not. Biblical love is a verb, and specifically, it is a command. 
And so just because you don't have certain feelings does not give you a pass on your responsibility. Nobody feels love for their neighbor or their enemy, and yet we're told to love them. And by the way, when you act with love, most often the feelings will follow. And so we're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. Let's just look at a few of these verses in 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. This is the, the way the husband is to love his wife. Rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all, believes all, hopes all, endures all things. That is the love that husbands are to have to their wives. And uh, notice at the end of verse 19, do not be harsh. Some men, are, even, even some Christian men, are, have a tendency to be harsh towards their wives, especially in private. And uh, listen, harsh words and threats and, and violence and unkindness is, is no way to treat your wife. Uh, your wife is a child of Almighty God. Men, you better be careful how you treat them. You're not to be harsh, uh, you're to love your wives. And uh, and so we come to this passage, and I just want to teach uh, some things. God has distinctions between masculine and feminine roles. They are ordained by God. They're part of the created order. He created them male and female, That's, and He gave them roles to fulfill within the marriage. And uh, now since the fall, there's been all kinds of distortions in God's created order. Uh, since the rise of feminism, the wife's... Willing submission has often been replaced, and uh, wives often want to take authority over their husbands. Listen, that's not pleasing to the Lord. Uh, one other danger that I've seen in, in ministry is the husband's uh, biblical uh, headship often replaced with passivity. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with couples in premarital counseling and asked the couple a question, asked the man a question, and the, wife, uh, the, the fiance answers it for him. And I said, that's not good. You're to lead here. You're not to be passive. If you're passive now, you're going to be passive in your marriage. And so he just lays it out here for us. Husbands, forsake harsh and selfish leadership. Forsake passivity. And this grow in love and care and leadership for your wife and family. That's all. Now tell me, there's three things God tells us to do. Love our wives, lead our wives, and learn our wives. And that takes a long time to do that sometimes. But love, lead, and, and learn. Live with them in an understanding way. And wives, uh, forsake resisting your husband's authority and grow in willing, joyful submission uh, to your husband's leadership. Those are honoring to the Lord. So that's the parameters for marriage. Secondly, he gives us some God-honoring principles for parenting. In verses 20 and 21, he he addresses children and, and fathers, parents. Verse 20, children, obey your parents. This is one of those weeks that you wish your child was up here, if not. Uh, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so children have a duty to listen and carry out the instructions of their parents. The verb here in verse 20 is present tense. It means that it is to be a continual, habitual, ongoing action. And as parents, we have uh, uh, an associated uh, task of training our children to obey. And when a child obeys his or her parents in everything, the Lord is pleased. The Lord is pleased. Now listen, if the Lord loves us enough to die for us, our desire ought to be to please Him. 
Then verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, Paul's day, uh, the father was more like a dictator than a daddy. And uh, we know there are lots of ways as fathers and as parents that we can provoke our children to anger. Ray Stetsman uh, lists three ways that fathers provoke or discourage their children. I'm just going to give these to you. First one is indulge them. These are the type of fathers who give their children everything they want. And that seems to be really popular today. I just I want to give them what they want. Listen, that's not good to, to give our children everything they want. That When we indulge them, they become ungrateful, dissatisfied, selfish, spoiled. Uh, it's not good to give our kids everything they want. Secondly, we insult them. Uh, some dads like to criticize their kids, and, and some, some dads even call their kids' names. Uh, I would say this, that sarcasm and, and ridicule uh, can tear down a child faster than about anything else. And a lot of times they experience that other places. They, they shouldn't experience that when they come home. And then thirdly, ignore them. Uh, a father who has no time for his children will soon create a, this deep-seated resentment. And uh, when a child grows up in a home and they feel unloved and unaccepted, they begin to look for that love and acceptance in other places. And we don't always like the other places that they look for it. And so we have an opportunity to love and show affection to our children. We have to be careful, uh, fathers, of not provoking our children to anger and resentment and rebellion. Uh, As parents, we want to make it as easy as possible for our children to obey us. And so I thought I'd ask a few questions in regards to your children, and and maybe your children are grown, but uh, do you view your children as gifts of God that that He's entrusted to your care to to teach and instruct them? Do you you see your children as a gift from God? Are you thankful for your children that God has given them to your care? Uh, Number three, are you living under the authority of Christ in such a way that your children have a model to look to? Number four, are you calling your children to obedience and providing corrective discipline that's fair and firm? Uh, we, we, we should correct our children. We have a responsibility, a biblical responsibility to correct and provide loving discipline for our children. In the Old Testament, uh, prophet Eli was condemned for a failure to restrain his, his sons. Let me, let me share this with you. 1 Samuel 3, verse 11, the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. You can read about what his sons were doing, taking sacrifices and all the other stuff that he and, and Eli knew about it, and yet he did nothing about it. And so punishment was coming. Verse 14 says, Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And so uh, we're to correct our children. And I, I just want to say this. I uh, There's a word of encouragement. I see some young couples in this church who are doing a a good job, it looks like, of raising your children and, and uh, pointing them to Jesus and loving them and being involved in your life. And I just want to encourage you in that. That's, that's awesome to, to see you pouring into their lives. So, God-honoring parameters for marriage, 
God-honoring principles for parenting. Number three, God-honoring practices for the workplace. Uh, verse 22, we come to some teachings about slaves and, and their masters. And we'll say, well, we don't have slaves. And uh, let me point out, when this was written, uh, most homes had slaves in them. So keep that in mind. First century, uh, at the time of Paul's writing, about 50% of the inhabitants in the Roman Empire were slaves. They became slaves because they were defeated militarily, militarily by the Romans, and so they were slaves. And if you do some study, it's interesting that the, the Roman Empire ultimately lost its commitment to slavery uh, as the gospel began to penetrate their lives, and they stopped treating some as slaves and began treating them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the gospel uh, kind of brought them out of that. And so while we don't have slaves, we certainly can draw some applications for our workplaces. So 22, uh, slaves obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And so here's a couple points of application from these verses. Number one, uh, do your best at your job at all times. Do your best at all times. Because by the way you work, you are giving witness to Christ. And uh, even when the boss is not around, you see that there? Uh, not with eye service as people pleasers. Uh, but even when the boss is not around, do your best. And number two, work as if Jesus was your boss. He is your master. If you're a believer, he's your master. And so work as his servants in your job. And you say, what, what does that mean? Well, we look back to verse 17 last week. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we... Work is one of those everythings. Everything we do, do it in the name of Jesus as if for the Lord. And notice verse 22, out of reverence for the Lord, uh, fearing the Lord. Uh, verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Uh, and so your employer may pay your salary, uh, but it's the Lord whom you're working for. And so verse 24 says, do our best. And when we recognize that Jesus is our boss, we, we know that we will receive an eternal reward. And listen, Jesus' benefit package is out of this world. Out of this world. Verse 25 says, uh, the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong that he has done. And there's no partiality. And so just a reminder that... Uh, There'll be a payday in the next life. So work hard. And uh, listen, your work is an act of worship. I don't feel like it sometimes. I know I used to work in a factory. And, uh, but as we work unto the Lord, we, we are, I mean, we come on Sunday mornings and we say, well, we're worshiping the Lord. Well, when you go in the morning to work and you work unto the Lord, you are doing an act of worship to the Lord if you work out of reverence for Him. So as we're considering these relationships, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4 seems to go along with, with the end of chapter 3. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And, and so what it's saying is if you're over other employees, you know, uh, treat, your, treat your employees fairly. Uh, do what's right and fair. And, uh, it, it's important if you're over others that you treat them as the Lord treats you. And, and sometimes the Lord's merciful towards us, isn't he? And so sometimes we're merciful to our employees. 
And, uh, and so Paul has covered marriages, parent-children relationships, employee-employer. In order to honor Christ in our relationships, uh, let me give you a few practical suggestions here. And, and first of all, in marriage, you, you know, many of y'all have been married longer than I have, and you know marriage is hard enough. Uh, it's even harder when we try to do it our way. And so I would say this, maybe your marriage is a little shaky right now. Here's what I've found. If, if even one spouse will grow and change and, and willing to take steps to honor God, your marriage can change. Obviously, it's better when both are working for that end. But if just one begins to grow and change and, and obey God's word. And so I would say to wives, you don't have to wait uh, for your husbands to be more loving and before you submit to him. And I'd say to the husbands, you don't have to wait for your wife acts more submissively until you show love for her. When you determine your love uh, based on someone else's performance, that's, that's not the way Christ loves the church, is it? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he loved us sacrificially. And husbands, he calls us to love our wives that way. And, and let me just say to to, to the husbands, it's much easier for the wives to follow our lead if we're loving them like Christ loved the church. And so we look at these verses, and uh, if you notice, there are six uh, subjects or six uh, nouns that begin these verses. Uh, the first one in verse 18 is wives. And so to the wives in the room, uh, just maybe tell your husband that with God's help, you are going to uh, follow his lead. And if there's an area in your life where you've not been submissive, then, then confess that to, to God and your husband and seek forgiveness. Verse 19 is for husbands. Let me ask you, can you think of one way that you can put your love into action today? Even if you don't feel like doing it? If you've been harsh or, or shown bitterness towards your wife, confess it to God and confess it to your wife and, and seek her forgiveness. Verse 20, children, uh, if you want to be pleasing to the God, uh, I would encourage you to start practicing what I'd call first-time obedience. And you say, what is that? That means when your parents tell you to do something, you say, yes, Mom, or yes, Dad, and then you go do it. And you do it without arguing or complaining or, or whining. Um, you honor God when you obey your parents. Fathers, verse 21. Uh, ask your children, and probably best to ask them individually this week, if there's something you are doing that just exasperates them. Now, you might get a better word than exasperates, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and if they tell you something, then make some changes and, and reaffirm your love for them. And then we get to the workplaces, and some of you go, oh gosh. Uh, verse 22, instead of slaves, let's just say employees. Be good to your uh uh, or try to picture Jesus as your boss this week. And, and work in a way that would please him. Work hard. Be a witness by the way you work. And then chapter 4, verse 1, masters, we could say employers, be good to your employees. Uh, here's a suggestion. Maybe you start praying for them by name. Everyone that works for you, you pray for them. And uh, maybe at the end of the week you ask them, are you treating them fairly? And I know anything that's, that we've talked about this morning, none of it's new, but, but occasionally we need to be reminded of God's instructions. 
And uh, everything we do in our marriage, in our family, in our workplace, uh, everything we do uh, should be done with the realization that Christ is our master. And uh, isn't he a good master? Yeah, and he provides for us, he loves us, he shows us mercy and grace and patience and kindness. And our desire and our attitude ought to be to please him. And the good news is we, we don't have to guess at how to please God. He, he tells us. We do it. Wives, by submitting to your husbands. Husbands, by loving your wives. Children, by obeying your parents. Fathers, by, by loving your, your children. Uh, workers, by working hard unto the Lord. Employees, by treating your workers fairly. He tells us exactly what to do, and he tells us that when we do it, we please him. So when we began this morning, we just we pointed out that the Lord is in this passage six times, Lord and Master. And I, I want to ask you, is Jesus your Lord? Have you recognized all that he's done for you? Uh, even though he came and lived a sinless life, he willingly took your sin and my sin and, and paid the penalty on the cross and uh, gave his life as a ransom for us. And he offers to... To save us, and uh, but only if you'll bow to His Lordship. So maybe you're here this morning. You say, "Well, how do I do that?" Well, repentance that means you turn from your sins, you turn from trusting in yourself, and you turn in faith to Jesus Christ. You you come in faith, believing in Jesus, and and really just saying to Jesus, "Lord, I, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself." I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I ask you to forgive me, and I give myself to you and to your lordship, and I'm willing to deny myself and follow you and follow your word, and, and so please forgive me and, and save me and bring me into your glorious family. And Jesus said in John six forty seven, truly, truly, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Listen, church, before you can have a Christ-honoring relationship, you, you have to have a relationship with Christ. And so let me ask you this morning, would you like Jesus to be your Savior? The one who died for your sins, would you like for Him to be Lord? And this morning we'll have an invitation, and this is an opportunity, if you're lost, to, to come and say, I want Jesus to be Lord. I want Him to save me and forgive me. Won't you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray. Our musicians will come and we'll sing to the Lord and, and uh, you'll be able to respond this morning if the Lord's spoken to you. Father, thank you for your word today. And even in study this week, I thought, well, I know, I know all this stuff. And yet your spirit comes and reminds us of some areas maybe where I'm not loving my wife as I should or Maybe provoking my children. Maybe some of us aren't working as unto the Lord. Maybe we're, we're lazy. Maybe we don't treat the people that work under us the way that you treat us. And so we just want to invite you to, again this morning, show us some areas in our hearts, in our lives that's not pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that if there's a person here that's never bowed to your Lordship this morning, that today would be the day that they confess Jesus as Lord, they turn from their sins, and they believe upon Jesus. We give you this invitation, Lord. We pray that you'll be glorified in it. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, you respond this morning, and, and uh, if Jesus is Lord, he's given us some really specific instructions, and uh, there might be some areas, wives, husbands, children, fathers, workers, might be some areas where we need to confess and ask God to help us to live in light of his lordship. So you respond this morning.